let's get on with it. Let's uh, let's rick this shot, Vickers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, oops. I think I had an autocorrect problem again. Nation version 2.0. This is episode number 64. I am Dan. Also with us, the usual cast and crew, Nick. Hey. Justin. What's up, guys? And that compass dude. How's it going, guys? That's Jesse. Jesse, I've decided I like compasses after all. Finally, Dan. It's been it's taking a long time for you to say that. I had to uh I, I came to that realization when I was at my therapy for chronic lying. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So anyway, here we are, guys. Episode sixty-four. And um, what have you been up to this week, Nick? Anything exciting? Wow. Um, yeah, some just some projects that yeah. we're kind of dinking around on. I've decided that I am going to convert my fusion to a five fifty. Uh huh. I know it's kind of a weird thing, but I, I've never had a five fifty. One of I think almost just about the only sizes I haven't had. And uh, I was just kind of looking for something to do quick flights on, you know, to keep kind of almost like in the truck all the time. Yeah. And I just figured, man, there's there's nothing like having that, that one-pack heli. So, uh, yeah. But I wanted the biggest one possible. And I just, I, it seems like I see a lot of videos, uh, even of a lot of the pros, it's like they've always got their 550 size heli with them. You know, just to bust out quick flights on. So I figure uh, I'll check it out. See what it's all about. Nice. Yeah, past that. Boy, not a whole lot, really. You're kind of a boring dude this week. I am kind of boring yeah. guy this week. Just chilling, waiting to fly patiently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesse, did you get a chance to crash that compass yet? Uh, which one, Dan? The, well, any of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I haven't actually... I got a few flights in on the warp last weekend, about 10 flights or so, but no crashes. So just some tuning flights. That's unfortunate. Yeah, for you, not for me. So uh, what else you been up to, man? I know you're busy with school, with uh, tests and whatnot. Yeah, so just wrapped up the semester, so that's that's great. So and you, I'm heading, heading back to the west side of Washington aha. for three weeks. You, so. you said that wrong, dude, isn't it? West side! West side! West side! <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna get to fly with uh, Nick and Justin then, huh? Yeah, if the rain ever stops over there. So yeah, well, yeah no joke. Would, don't don't count on that. Yeah. So but no, other than that, I um, the only other thing is I picked up a set of uh, ended up going with some MKS DS95 cyclic servos for the warp. Yeah. So I ended up finding a killer deal on the, a set of those, so I couldn't really pass that up. So. Nice. Oh yeah, then you know what we're gonna do? What? We're gonna attempt to put <laughs> his Savic cyclic servos in my possessed 450. Oh, nice! I know we're gonna get out some candles, and I don't <laughs> know. Times the charm, man. Get the, there weed, might get be the Ouija a board. 
get the weed. Some sort of goat involved, and maybe I don't some, know. Maybe some dead chickens. <laughs> it's gonna get yeah. weird, but it it's gonna work. It <laughs> that thing will fly. Nice. Do it. And yeah. I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm gonna do it on. I'm gonna actually do it on the 3GX. I'm a glutton for punishment. Dude, I'm gonna do yeah. Set up a uh, set up a camera and do a time lapse of the install so we can watch when these servos go up in flames. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, let's see. That leaves Justin. What do you what have you been up to, dude? Oh, hey, before uh, you go on, Justin, I've I just gotta tell Jesse not to put the pressure on you, dude, but I've gotten yeah. like fifteen emails asking about the icon review. Oh, it's it's gone. Yeah? Is it it's gonna be ready next week then? Yeah, next week. Sweet. So look forward to that, guys. I've been trying to I, I've like, well, what, what what has he been telling you? Like, well, you know, he hasn't really been talking to me about it because I kind of want to be surprised. I want to. Yeah, I've been I've been filling in a couple people on uh, Facebook, a couple emails here and there, but yeah, yeah. So for everyone else, look forward to that next week. All right, so Justin, back to you. What have you been doing? No fly been, poochie. No fly. Yeah, I've been not flying. That's Justin, no fly. Doing. No fly poochie. <laughs> no. So actually, this was this was a short work week for me because I am now off until January second. So I've got about three three and a half weeks to actually do heli stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. But I I didn't get to do any flying this week. Um, just did the last couple of finishing touches on the gasser, ready to start breaking it in this weekend. And I texted Nick this morning. I woke up. I slept in a little bit. Woke up and it was blue skies and sunny. And I've been waiting for that for weeks, and I don't even have a heli to freaking fly in it. Uh-huh. Man. Well, how long have you had that? all the stuff for that gasser sitting there? Oh, getting put <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> oh, Jesse. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I have no excuse. I don't. Yeah, you, I, well, you kind of do, unless you're going to slap some yardsticks on the top of that thing i don't think oh, you're yeah. gonna fly there's it. a little bit uh yeah thing about blades huh oh was i supposed to send you those blades what blades oh. of course you were for oh, free shit. um <laughs> dude i totally spaced that really okay i'll send them to you i forgot that's my no <laughs> you, you weren't supposed to his well no i'm not gonna go there All right. I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bang on maverick even though they don't have any blades available but. yeah i know i know all righty so, uh, guys, this week I got some flights in. I did, man. I got to tell you, uh, it, it just, uh, I looked out the window and the sun was shining. That, that doesn't mean anything this time of year. The sun can be shining. It can still be 15 below zero out there. Um, but it was relatively warm, 30-ish, which is still cold. But And, uh... One of the guys called me and said, dude, you got to come out. We're going to go flying. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm there. And, uh, you know, it had been so long since I got to fly the cool power 700 that I, um, I was giddy. You know, <laughs> when I showed up, I was like, I was like excited. Like I hadn't been in a long time. And I got to tell you, it was so nice to just get out there and fly. It was incredible. All right. And how much did you put through it, Dan? Oh, you know, a few a little bit gallons no. gallons <laughs> no 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 i got i got in a handful of flights let's put it that way <laughs> a handful whatever you're such a dig <laughs> <laughs> i did get some awesome flying on the x100 and we're going to talk about that in a little bit sweet um I, i'm impressed and i'll leave it at that until we get into it but 
Kind of liking it. Other than that, uh, I think maybe it's time to go into some news, huh? We can probably do some news. All right, guys. It's Christmas time. It's coming up real soon. As you know, there's nothing better than to get a nice heli present underneath the tree. And when I'm looking to buy Christmas gifts, I go to helipros.com. Excellent customer service, fast shipping. You just can't ask for a better shop. Yeah, you're right, Dan. And you know what? The way to be guaranteed that you're going to get those heli parts under your tree in time for Christmas is to go to helipros. So there it is, guys. Helipros.com. Fly hard. Helipros has the parts. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got, Nick? All right. So, RealFlight has a new update out, 6.50.013, with the big addition being the Gowie X7. So, all of you Gowie fans can go rock that X7 on RealFlight. Yes. I wish I could fly an X7. (laughs) Not going to lie. Yes, Gowie the, the Gowie goodness. If I could, uh, I want to. I want to refresh your memory, if I can, for just one mine? second. Yeah, yours. Oh, I remember having a conversation with you back when I was deciding whether or not I should actually fix my X5 or just kind of move on. Mm-hmm. And we were just kind of chatting, and you're like, "Dude, it's a Gowie." I just, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm not really impressed with it. Do you remember that conversation? Yep. Oh, how the times have changed. Well, then, hold on, though. They haven't. There's actually, there's a bit of a story behind that. There it's is. Because there was, it's because, like me, Nick knows that uh, the X5 in particular is a huge pain in the dick to fix or work on. <laughs> it is, man. All right, whatever. I just still think it's you just... Uh, it, and we, we knew this guy who always... Yeah. Yeah, and he had a couple of X5s. He really knew how to drive them in. He also really knew how to send them to Nick and I with a bunch of money <laughs> to try to fix them again. <laughs> anyway, Nick, what else we got in the news? We kind of jumped onto another tangent there. Oh, no, that's fine. So uh, Mr. Mel uh, put out a programming video for the YGESC in conjunction with like VBAR external gov or really ex- any external governor in that case. And he always puts out incredible videos. So if you're considering uh, YGE and want to run it in external gov mode, then definitely take a look at that. Nice. Um, he also put out another video on the unboxing on the Logo 700. So if you were kind of curious on that but didn't get you know any real good frame shots or anything, take a look at that. So Futaba's got, uh, <laughs> this This gives me a little bit of satisfaction. They have an update for the CGY 750 to their update Uh-oh. for the CGY 750. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a one oops, point. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we call this software version 1.3 point oops. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess they had a couple bugs with 1.3. Um, and so they, but Hey, they dealt with it quickly, which yep. is, uh, is fantastic yep. that they did. Yep. So good job for them. Uh, SimStick now has out a pro version, which this is really cool. I, I'm, I'm highly tempted to get this. Uh, so you, you know, you've got the regular SimStick for using it with your SIM. And for those who aren't familiar, it's, it's for using your transmitter without a cord for your SIM. Right. The cool thing with the Pro is that 
now you can do it for Futaba as well, because originally it was just JR and Spectrum. But now you can use it with regular Futaba Fast and S-Bus. Very nice. Yeah. That was really cool. Futaba's starting to get more love. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit more love. Um, so the line team pilots, um, I'm not sure about the other ones, but Zabel Jr.'s got up his uh, 3GX version 3.0 settings. You know, in the last episode, we were talking about how cool we thought it was uh, that, you know, all these pros are starting to put out their own settings now um, just to, to really help people get their stuff tuned in. So he's got that out. Uh, so where everyone can can see and try and match up something, maybe it'll help cure some problems if you're having them. Very nice. And finally, Contronic has a service bulletin issued for the Pyro 800 and 850 motors. They had some problems with insufficient magnet glue. A small number of motors. Ooh. Yeah, that's when that happens, they go, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. Fire, fire. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, if you've got one of those, definitely look into this and uh, make sure you're not going to be on the arse end of a fire call. That's all I got. All right, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. these fly bars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. Every day, the number of fly barless units increases dramatically, leaving fly bars to squander away into obscurity, not to mention the fly bar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the fly bar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a fly bar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their fly bar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLY-BAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the fly bar now. So guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue our talk, kind of what we uh, had been talking about. Uh, this will be part two of that, um, kind of the uh, stepping up in your training uh, sims and whatnot. But before we do that, I'm gonna give you a kind of an oral rundown of the Axe 100 CP. Uh, Hobbyco allowed us to do a review on this little helicopter, and I'm gonna go ahead and uh, tell you a little bit about it. Um, I'm gonna do it. It's going to be kind of a two-part review, actually. Uh, first, it came with an IndyLink because I use a Futaba. So a little, little about the IndyLink. Of course, it's a um, 2.4 to 2.48 gigahertz uh, spread spectrum uh, technology. Um, it, it's it's pretty. It's just a small little box that essentially you attach to the back of your radio, and it has to be attached in a specific manner that allows the antenna to kind of point up. Uh, it it. I was a little worried about it getting in the way of my fingers. 
uh, the way I hold the radio, didn't seem to to bother me. It does suck that I had to put Velcro on my 8FG, but whatever. I'll get over that. It's not that big of a deal. This AnyLink is compatible with pretty much any receiver out there if it has a trainer port. In particular, though, it it's advertised to be absolutely compatible with uh, Futaba Hi-Tech course. Futaba and Hi-Tech use the same channel mapping. Uh, JR, Spectrum, and Gropner use an alternative channel mapping. So when you order this, any link, you have to tell them um, which one you're using. Uh, all of those come in, like the unit I got, it is compatible with all those radios. But you will have to change the channel mapping if you're not using, it comes stock with the Futaba high-tech channel mapping. And I, I don't remember the exact channel mappings, but most of us Futaba guys know that the throttle's channel 3. And I believe on a Spectrum it's channel 7. I don't remember for, for sure, but you had, it's just a simple matter of programming it, and I'll go into that in the written review. For those of you guys who don't like you know, blinking lights and audible tones, it's not that big of a deal, but nonetheless, you're going to have to deal with that. It's super easy uh, to do. Just a little bit more of that AnyLink is um, it runs on that, uh, they call it the SLT, Simple Effective Secure Link Technology. That's what that stands for. And that's the protocol. So it converts uh, your signal. Essentially, it does not allow your radio because it becomes a slave, essentially. Uh, it, it, through the training port, converts your inputs into that protocol and allows it to communicate with the uh, receiver on the, on the little helicopter. Do you feel like it has sort of any latency as a... As well, a- Result I, of that, Dan? I, I, you know, it's hard to tell on a, on a little micro. You know what I mean? I, um, I didn't really feel like I was having an issue like that. I'm sure there's going to be some just from the, anytime I think you get away from a native system, like remember when we, everybody was putting the, the, uh, modules on their 72 megahertz radius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was kind of always a topic of discussion, you know, at, you, you know, back before it's pretty much a, a standard issue now is to have native 2.4 as opposed to using a module and it helped with latency i'm sure there is a latency issue for those of you who want to experiment with that uh they also do have for a purchase um three and six channel radios are receivers that you can then use this any link with say a, a plane or whatever model you want if you i, I don't really know why you would want to do that but it is available if you choose to do that you can buy receivers for this anyway as well it does it works pretty good it's uh easy to bind you just simply push a button on the on the receiver uh there is one one catch when you are binding you have to make sure you have to make damn sure that there are no other any link uh, modules turned on anywhere in your area um because it will potentially bind to that radio. It's essentially a park flyer radio. It's got a range, they say, of 1,000 feet. So it's not really designed for anything big. You know, just little park flyers and whatnot. It's really not a bad little system for those of us who are doing Futaba and want to experiment with various micros that we can't, you know, use essentially the, the blade stuff. So that's the uh, AnyLink. 
I'll be doing a written review on that as well. Uh, there'll be some more of the, the technical like specs and stuff like that included in that. I, don't, I just don't want to go into all that stuff here. So on with the Helimax. It's a 100 CP collective pitch. This this helicopter actually is kind of a model of the... Uh, it's based off... The, they have a fixed pitch version. So when you are... If you're looking to buy one, just double check and make sure you're not buying the fixed fix pitched. Uh, essentially, they look identical. The CP version comes in two different versions. It comes uh, with a transmitter, a 610 transmitter, uh, and that is a Helimax transmitter. Or it comes transmitter ready, and that's, of course, you'll need the AnyLink for that. It comes with the helicopter. It comes with uh, two 200 milliamp LiPos, the one cells. And I got to tell you, those Helimax batteries are just junk. Uh, one battery gave out completely after about 10 flights. And um, the second battery, I'm down to about two minutes of flight uh, with it. So, Wow. Wow. The way the helicopter is designed, it's typical of those little micros, the MCPX. They, they kind of hide, slide right in underneath, right? Well, the, the, the angle at which you have to put that in, when you initially go to install the battery... Uh, the main gear kind of interferes with it. So it, it is kind of a, it, you almost feel like you have to bend the battery a little bit to get it to, I mean, it doesn't quite bend, but you're, you're going, uh, I feel like I'm bending it, but yeah, they're not good batteries. Um, I'm sure it'd be easy enough to get some aftermarket batteries, aftermarket batteries, but I'm thinking it's just that typical. And I don't know the name of that adapter. Uh, or the connector, but it's it's the same connector that I was using for my uh, Walkera. I've got a six lead charger. They plugged right in there, so oh, perfect. That's pretty standard lead. I'm the, guessing the little JST connectors. Well, they're not. Are you talking about the little red ones? Yeah. No, no, these are not. No, it's not that. Okay. No, they're white and they're they're keyed, so they can only go in one way, and they kind of they. They're standard. I, if you look at the Walkera batteries, they're the same kind. And um, I, I just, I just off the top of my head, don't know the name. The kit also comes with a screwdriver, typical stuff, so you can uh, mess with the helicopter's uh, grub screws on the main shaft or uh, take it apart. Extra blades, and the blades are kind of a. They're. They, I hear they're not very good, and I. You can get, if you put like a KDBB blades on there, apparently you get a lot better performance. They're just kind of a plastic, uh, real flexible. They're not the best blades. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> um, and of course it comes with an extra linkage set. So I want to talk a little bit about, it's kind of, there's a few nice things about it compared to the MCPX, which is essentially what we're comparing it to. Um, because it's roughly the same size, everything. This has more of a modular design. It, uh, you can actually take the, t- the landing gear off. It screws off. Then it's got a frame, main frame, and then it's got, of course, the tail. The tail itself isn't round. It's kind of got an octagon shape to it. Gives it a little more rigidity. It is also longer than the MCPX. I don't know how much longer because I don't have my MCPX anymore. But it seems to me, you know, back when everybody was doing the Two centimeter upgrade, you know, they're putting a two centimeter longer tail boom in there. Seems to me that that 
roughly was about that length. The tail rotor itself is is a lot more rigid, uh, stiffer plastic. Seemed to help the tail quite a bit. Uh, there, it wasn't as as hard. And I'll get into the flight performance, but I was very impressed with how hard it was to get the tail to blow out on this on this little helicopter. So, of course, it's a fly barless uh, triple axis gyro stabilization. Comes with an AC charger. Pretty easy to use. Just your typical. You you select the range. I believe it was like from. 0.01 to point, was it 0.01? Must have been. Anyway, it was 0.1 to 0.7, let's say, uh, the charge rate. And then you just press the button and it, same thing as the uh, blade chargers. When it's done, all the lights are flashing. Same, you know, same principle there. And of course, those, <laughs> those none of those chargers are real good, the stock chargers. Takes quite a while. Uh, I ended up charging my batteries uh, with a, just a regular charger. The model itself, it, th- some other things where the MCPX, remember we all had problems with the uh, grip to swash links just disappearing? Mm-hmm. Yep. These, I, they're not quite captured, but they are they're, they're where, they, where the forks come out that hold them in place. They're rounded at the end, so they do hold them in. I did take the links off. And the links do not easily pop out, but they do pop out. Um, I did end up crashing the helicopter quite a bit. Never once did I lose a set of those those uh, links, so that's a good thing. Oh, nice. Also, the servos, they're not linear. They're the standard uh, 1.9 gram, uh, little teeny, <laughs> little teeny servos. And oh, wow. That's, that's a treat. And Most of them that size don't have those normal servos. Yeah, and they're you know they're they're digital servos and and they hold really well. Um, it just has a it's a nice stable little helicopter. Um, it, it just the those little servos work really well. I had remember I had problems with my MCPX those linear servos. Uh, sometimes they would stick. Sometimes they just didn't work right. You know you they'd burn out. You'd have to replace them. The the manual itself is fantastic, and that's rare when it comes to these little things. It, it is so detailed, and it's got maintenance procedures. It explains how you take the helicopter apart, how you replace the servos, and it's got, of course, the blown-up parts list, and uh, it's, it's a good manual. It really covers everything. Parts themselves, easy to get. I was just doing some random searches. Of course... Um, Tower Hobbies, Uh, not a big fan of Tower Hobbies, never have been for whatever reason, but uh, all the parts are there. And if you just Google the parts, I found them in numerous places. And they're not, they're not overly, you know, I think a new motor is nine bucks, a new swash plate is 10 bucks, you know, and they're just, they're just not expensive parts. It's kind of a nice thing. Of course, the MCPX parts, unless you started doing some upgrades, weren't that expensive either. They're easy to get. I guess that's what's most important. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how it flies. Well, when I first started flying it, you guys heard me talk about it a few times. I wasn't real impressed with it, to be honest, because it's a micro, and micros really aren't my thing. Um, had a, had some issues immediately with the tail, not necessarily blowing out, but being real sluggish. And uh, I went with the recommended uh, expo settings on the that comes in the manual. The manual gives 
all the recommended settings where they suggest you start pitch curves, uh, idle up curves and all that stuff. And the tail to me really was, you just had to reek on it to get it to do anything. So I ended up going with positive expo, uh, 15 and it really pepped up the tail quite a bit. I, it, it, it had a continuous slight drift to the left, was never able to really dial that out. So I ended up sub trimming it out. Or not subdriven, but just adding trim to it. And that seemed to, to straighten that out. There was one issue I had with, um, you know, typically we get those head bob issues or the bobbing issues. And it has to do with head speed sometimes and dampening. I could never really get rid of that. I did minimize it, playing around with head speeds. I put a little lubrication in the on the dampeners, dampers. And uh, I, I was able to get most of it out of there. I never really worried about those types of things with micro helis because they're micro helis. You know, mm-hmm. I just, they're, you know, you just kind of bash them around. But it did, it did get to the point. Initially, it was just really rocking back and forth, just bobbing uh, uh, forward and aft, I guess is a better way to put it. And, Do you uh, think it was those batteries not giving it enough head speed? You know, and that is... That is something I, I didn't think about till just yesterday, but that very well could have been it. Because um, that sounds like a low head speed bobble. Yeah, and 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 um, I pumped the the uh, throttle curves up to one hundred percent, and um, still had it. There was a range between like ninety and one hundred where it didn't change. Below ninety, it got worse. It definitely felt to me like it was a head speed issue. Nick, when I send it over to you, maybe we can get our hands on some better batteries and see if that goes away for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we got the tail issue kind of sorted out with a little bit of expo. As far as the programming goes, the, the manual is pretty much good, except I found that the tail programming was, the expo was way off. You know, these micros really aren't that hard to program. Uh, it's, you know, when you set up the radio... It's the typical H1 whale for Futaba. It's the H1 uh, servo or uh, swash. And um, it's just kind of a put it in there and throw in some numbers and go. And you're going to have to experiment with it to find the settings that are good for you. I found it to be really tame, even with zero expo all the way around. Didn't It wasn't real squirrely like typically. I had somebody tell me that they found that that axe was like a MCPX that's just tamed. And it was some, some downfalls to that though. When you start to go inverted, start to do some flips with it. To me, the, I had to turn, I had to turn everything up to get the speed I needed to make it not feel like it was dogging around flips, you know, felt like it was taking forever. When you say that is, was it, it's just the rates yeah, the like rates. the flip and roll rates, not that it, it felt boggy. Like no, no, it, it didn't, system, it didn't right? feel boggy at all. And here's the, here was the cool thing about this. That, that helicopter, I mean, I was digging into the collective, dude. I was just grabbing gobs of it. <laughs> and I did not get that tail to blow out once. Nice. And I was just shocked at that. I mean, just going into doing inverted flight and just total... You know, inverted punch outs, just just jamming it. You could really hear the motor struggling, and it is a brush motor, by the way. It uh, 
it didn't ever once blow out the tail. And it, it did, it flew real well. And a lot of guys have been asking me about his durability. This is a little tank. This thing, I was, uh, I was real careful with it at first because I needed it to, to last to get some flights in it. But then towards the end, I was just kind of throwing it around. I flew it right into a table, a corner table out at the field. Didn't even put a scratch on it. I mean, just multiple crashes into the grass. Of course, it was with any micro throttle hold is your friend. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. They pretty much will last forever. Never had any problems with links uh, popping out. Didn't have to do any modifications. Now, again, I, I just flew this in stock form. I didn't really look into any of the mods that people are talking about online. I just kind of wanted to get my feel for what it lies like straight out of the box. I don't... It's like any other micro. I think it'd be a great helicopter for for those of us who know how to fly but just kind of need something to fly in the winter or whatever, or fly indoors. Uh, I think it'd be a great helicopter for a beginner. Just, uh, it's a good helicopter. It it flies real well. It doesn't bog. Um, the batteries suck. <laughs> and <laughs> the blades aren't, the main blades aren't that good. That might help performance as well. Um, but So what do you think, like, comparison-wise? Because, I mean, like you said, the counter, the counterpart to this would be the MCPX. So stock for stock, because I know you had a stock MCPX at one point. It is much better than a stock MCPX. There's no okay. question. Just so, so maybe maybe a little bit of aftermarket loving, but it doesn't sound like it's going to need a ton. No, it doesn't because although the, the swash is plastic, is typical. You, you know, it's it's you know the main shaft is metal, hollow metal. It's very sturdy in that sense. The head feels. It, when I was messing around with the head on on the MCPX, it just really felt like there was give in there like there was i don't want to say slop but things would give i mean they just didn't feel robust to me this is really solid the head is really solid and it there's no question the mcpx kind of paved the way for a lot of these newer helicopters these new micros mm-hmm. i think i think helimax took that mcx platform and just a stock version they improved upon it yeah by quite a bit I think uh, you guys out there who are really into the SmackDown probably won't appreciate this helicopter, and you'll probably end up doing some upgrades. There's no question. You newer guys that are just looking for it, and you happen to do Futaba, or if you just kind of want to stay away from the blades for whatever reason, this is a good alternative. There's no question you'll enjoy this helicopter. It's durable. Uh, it's, it uh, weighs out at 1.9 ounces. It's really light. It's sturdy and really inexpensive to get back up in the air should something happen. Sweet. Well, I'll probably snag it and slap some uh, slap some aftermarket blades on it and some good batteries. And sounds like it might be a whole different alley. Yeah, that's the nice thing about what we're going to get out of this. You're going to get my written review, and then um, and then there'll be more detail the the technical specs and stuff like that. And then Nick's going to fly it for a while, and then he'll be able to kind of give you the perspective of somebody who's got a little bit of skill. <laughs> so. He'll be able to tell you for for you guys that are really into the 3D, if it's something that you'd be interested. I got I do have to mention one thing. I didn't get to fly it, but a buddy of mine brought out his nano. He offered to let me fly it, but it was getting too cold. And that nano really outperforms it. Really? 
That Nano is one hell of a little helicopter. I okay, guess. so that's um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just about to say I'm interested in giving it a try after Nick because I've been flying the Nano now for about a month and a half and I'm really curious how it flies compared to uh, this this axe. But you're saying hands down the Nano wins? Well, I can't say hands down because I didn't get to fly it, but I can tell you this. Uh, I fly with Fred a lot. I know how he flies. Yep. And I know where his skill level is and, and, and potential weaknesses are. He was able to handle that little helicopter and do things more quickly and more without losing so much head speed that, you know, when you start losing head speed, the heli starts to just kind of get real squirrely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that was not happening with the Nano. And if I were to do sit there, if I, when I'm doing continuous flips with the, with the uh, axe and you start to lose some of your collective management, well, it starts to get squirrely. I'm assuming the same thing would happen with the nano, but it just seemed to me that the nano was able to sustain that, that, uh, (laughs) you know, less than optimal. I've heard the batteries on the nano, the stock batteries on the nano are like fantastic. And that's the thing too. And, and, you know, he was getting the, the manual says four minute flights on the axe. And I was initially getting four minutes to set my timer up, but the it would literally fall out of the air because the batteries were getting so low long before the timer was up. Those batteries really are junk. And that's the first, if you do happen to get one of these, d- definitely use them, I suppose, but quickly replace them or get more uh, of your choosing uh, after right. your batteries. So there we go, guys. That's the Helimax X100. Cool. Sweet. Dan, what's the price on it? Um, if if you did want to get one with the AnyLink and all of that, one hundred ninety nine dollars. See, that's not bad at all. No, how much bigger than the Nano is it? You know what? It's not much bigger at all. It's definitely longer. It's got a much longer tail. Um, it's it's longer. It's roughly the same height, maybe a tad bit taller. From aesthetics, I think I think the Axe does look better. It's got a neater. It's got a really neat low-profile canopy, a big canopy, and the canopy has kind of that new design that we're seeing on a lot of the new helicopters. Kind of that wraparound mm-hmm. look to it. It attaches. It slides onto the skids, and then it just attaches by two points. Uh, and there's grommets there in the holes. So another problem with the MCPX that I used to have is inevitably you'd rip those holes, and it would just become a hassle sometimes to keep your canopy on. Yeah, I, su- I suspect that could happen with this, but the way that canopy's formed, it actually slides onto the to the um, uh, pegs that hold the canopy quite a bit. So it's more than just the tips of the of the canopy stays just going in. It like literally rides into them quite a ways. So sweet, it's pretty sturdy, pretty sturdy little hand. Shit, guys. I think I need to get a new charger. Well, hey, Dan, why don't you head over to Progressive RC and check out that new iCharger 4010 Duo that they got over there. Looks to be a powerhouse. And, dude, while you're at it, check out one of his charger case combos as well. They're great looking. I know, man. Those things look sweet. I think I'm going to do that right now. www.progressiverc.com. Check them out for your charging needs. All right, so moving along, 
what we're going to talk about, we've, we've been, the last three shows, we've kind of been focusing on uh, newer players. We kind of started with um, newer players, newer flyers. <laughs> players. Yeah. We started, we kind of started on literally uh, opinion. We started on picking that helicopter and we kind of moved into various other aspects of, you know, finding a place to fly. Uh, last week we started on buddy boxing. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, sims, uh, you know, how we use them and, and, and how we modify them and, and the models we're flying. And then we're going to move into switching, taking that to real life. And then we're going to talk a little bit about training, uh, you know, at the field, what you can do, things to watch out for and programs, you know, what you can do to help yourself progress at a, at a rate, nice steady rate. So Sims. Mm. <laughs> Here it is. Mm. <laughs> Here we go. Well, there's no denying it, and we've said it again and again and again. Sims are a good thing. I'm going to kind of let these guys take over on this one because um, we're going to get into some stuff that I don't really... Look, when I do a sim, when I load it up, and I load up the helicopter, and if it doesn't fly very good, I switch. I don't bother You're done with it. Yeah, I don't bother with trying to manipulate the settings or change the, the the physics or whatever it is you guys do. So I'm going to go ahead and let Nick start with this one. When you're when you're looking for that helicopter in the sim to translate into a feel that you is that 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 you think is going to help you progress, what are you looking for? What are you doing? Uh for me on the sim, I always pick the larger models. Um, it's not so much because that's what I fly normally. It's just because it's the biggest on the screen. And if we're going for training, then we want to be able to see it the best. Right. Um, I would say first, uh, I'll just go ahead and fly and see what feels them, you know, the weirdest. Almost all of them in every situation are overpowered. Uh, in my opinion, if you're going to, if you're going to use this for training, um, Either turn the head speed down on it. Uh, I also, you know, start in like 100 RPM increments. Go in there, turn the head speed down until you get that, you know, kind of pull at full collective that that seems about normal to what you're used to flying on your helicopter. The other thing is go up there and crank up the motor bogging. That is like, that's a really, really, really big one. You can almost max it out. I won't say all the way. I'm I'm running three quarters of the way up the slider uh, for Phoenix anyway on most of them. And it, what it does is it starts to give you that audible feedback that I've talked about so many times with, you know, why I like flying nitros. As you start loading the head a little too much and you get a little bit off on your timing, you can actually hear and feel the difference in Phoenix. Like, wow, okay, it's just not wanting to hang in the air in this maneuver now. And, th- and that's really important. Then from there, um, there, there's something called, you know, disc loading. When we talk about disc loading, how does the heli feel? Disc loading, the best way to really relate it to how the helicopter feels in the air is something with really light disc loading is like trying to fly a, a feather. You know, when you, when you go knife edge or you kind of just pop it and, and go to, you know, do a, let's say, 180 degree aileron roll. It just really wants to hang and stay up high in the air. 
uh, I think that's that would be considered a light disc loading. Uh, heavy is exactly opposite. It wants to, it feels like, wow, I'm constantly into the collective a little more to keep this thing up off the ground. And you can, changing the model weight uh, for me is the best way to adjust that to get it a little bit more realistic. You don't want it to be too floaty on the sim because it gives you a false, you know, it, it's not the way it is in real life. So once I get those uh, tuned in, then I'll go in and I'll turn the blade inertia down. Um, I'll usually, it's on Phoenix, it's very sensitive. So you like, you go, I think it's at, Jesse, do you know off the top of your head, is it like 0.4? Yeah, that's about stock, I think. Yeah, I think 0.4 is stock. 0.35? Yeah, I usually end up in the 0.334.35 range. Yeah. Depending um, on, like you said, the heli, the weight. Yeah, depending on the heli, like the a lot, most of them um, are quite floaty. And what that does is that changes how they auto. They're most all the models in Phoenix are very unrealistic to how they model or how they auto. They're way too floaty. They give you way too much hang time. And if we're training, I mean, it's no different than than you know weight training for something. Always make it worse than it's actually going to be when you're going to do it. So take that, take that blade inertia, turn it down a little bit more, and, and then it takes that 700 in the sim and it makes it auto more like a 600 would in real life. And then what happens is you get to where, wow, I'm, I'm really nailing these, and, you, and you'll crash the tar out of it for a while, and you'll think, well, what the heck? This is just impossible. But just keep at it, and it really focuses. It really helps you focus on listening to the head speed. You know, turn the volume up. Listen to the to the blade speed in Phoenix. It's got a great audible feedback on it. That look at the attitude that it's coming down in, and pretty soon you'll you will actually see yourself really progressing. Like, wow, okay, now now I'm able to land them every time. Okay, now I'm able to place them and turn them around. Uh, same thing working on inverted autos, and then when you go out and do it in real life. It's a treat because real life's even easier. It's got more hang time to it, and then it makes it kind of less of a pucker factor. So as far as model changes, that's what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for something that's slightly less powerful than what I would normally fly. Um, but I try and tune the, you know, the cyclic, the tail. I go in there and I'll mess with all of that um, to tune the way that it feels. Uh, in the fly barless menu, you can mess with the head gain. And that'll really, I know everyone's like, oh, that sim, you know, if I could get that quote unquote sim feeling. Well, that sim feeling is that extremely locked in. Like it doesn't do anything that you don't tell it to do. Uh, kind of the, the downside to that is that that's not real life. You notice you can, uh, on the sim, you can do elevator TikToks, if you just pull back and you're just moving the straight, the sticks perfectly up and down on the sim, it the heli stays perfectly straight. Well, that's not real life. <laughs> right. Re real life, it doesn't work like that. So what I actually do is I turn the head gain down a little bit um, on my sim models and it gives it a little bit of that squirreliness uh, that you get in real life. Just that not so holy crap, this is so locked in and quote-unquote easy to fly. It makes it, 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 it makes it sloppy. 
It does. It makes it just a little bit sloppy, a little bit looser on the head. And it really forces you to, to focus and pay attention more. Um, uh, probably the last thing that I'll do is I personally turn on, um, I, I go up into the weather and I put it on like a brisk day, I do believe, and give it just a little bit of wind. Uh, reason for that is, again, it makes it more realistic. It makes it a little bit more random. It really helps you focus when you're working on your funnels on on flying the helicopter rather than flying the sticks on the transmitter. Right. You know, you're, you're watching yeah. that funnel as it goes around. It's like, wow, okay, it's going way long on my right side and way short on my left side. I must have a little bit of wind coming from the left to the right. So I know that I can't just put the sticks where I always do every time I do a funnel. I need to concentrate and fly it more. That seems to make a really big difference for when you go out into real life too. It teaches you how to move the maneuver and control the maneuver rather just, you know, quote unquote, do it. And especially if you live in an area where you get like for us up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it's almost always windy. It's almost always five, 10 mile an hour winds at least. Right. So you're really selling yourself short if you fly without weather in the in the sim. One thing I want to mention is to use this, the other features of the sim. I mean, so they I mean, Nick and Justin were talking about tweaking the model, but I want to bring up stuff like. You know, there's there's lots of features in the sim, such as the timer. There's different field layouts and um, the transmitter display. Oh. So those are those are all things that I use when I'm simming. So um, I, I try to sim obviously every night and pretty regular on the amount of time I sim. So I'll use just the built-in timer on Phoenix. Just as soon as I jump on, I'll just go ahead and start it and let that go. And um, another thing that I do is use the F3C layout. Now what that's going to do in Phoenix is that's going to give you, it's basically going to help you orientate yourself with the field. So you're not going to get used to flying around yourself. It's going to give you a flight line. Just, I guess, I guess just build good habits because in at a real flying field, you're not going to fly behind yourself. So why would you do it in the sim? Right. It draws a line, right? It like yeah, draws. It literally draws a flight line for you. And that's the, um, I think it was F3C layout yeah. just under, you know, field options. And then the last thing is the uh, transmitter. It, it'll you know show you where your sticks are at. So I've used that a lot, helping you know helping me do autos when I was learning to do those. Um, just kind of a visual, so you can just visually see where your sticks are at without having to take your eyes off the screen, look down at your transmitter. You can just glance at the screen, and also just a huge help for. I mean, believe it or not, a lot of more advanced 3D mover, maneuvers, you're always trying to hit mid-stick. So, I mean, that's another one. Every so often, I'll just go and practice hitting mid-stick. So, yeah. that's another thing I can use it for. That's actually a really good practice routine, and not only sim, but when you're out in the field. And another one way I did that, and we'll talk about this too, but since he just mentioned it, one way that I really got myself to hit mid-stick, and I'm not still not really super good at it but is if you go up into like a like you're going to do a stall turn and you're just vertical it's just it it's like it gives you a definite visual mm -hmm. i mean you can tell right away yeah. aileron you, rolls when you're falling oh, yeah. <laughs> so like tail sliding aileron rolls you will know in it yeah that's, that's oh yeah yes. it gets out of shape quick. and it's really really good practice to try and correct your collective when you see that it's off there like, don't just do it and yeah. go, oh, crap, it's off, and then bail out and go do it again. It, it really 
helps you focus to look at the helicopter and be able to recognize as it's spinning, which way is it? Because, man, that was a tough one for me for a while. It was, okay, this thing's going down like a spiral and it's not, you know, it's corkscrewing down. Uh, what the hell way am I over center? Right. I couldn't tell if I was a little positive or a little negative. So that's a good one. Right. But I want to yeah. hit on what Jesse, you said the flying site. That's one that I've recently really made an effort to to change a lot is the flying site. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is a lot of flying sites have different, uh, like the sun direction and the, yes. and the clouds. Mm-hmm. And some of them are kind of overcast and you, it makes you not want to fly it, right? Because you're out there and you're like, I can hardly see the helicopter. Well, welcome to real life, dude. <laughs> yeah. Now they only need a no canopy option. And in addition to the, the comments you made on the flying site, Nick, what I like to do is bounce back and forth between a couple of the the sites where you've got sort of nothing in the background on the horizon. It's just green field and then cloudy sky versus the ones where there are trees in the background. So you mm-hmm. get that contrast in color. Yes. And I know for a lot of people, especially when they're starting to fly, that really trips them out. They'll be used to flying up high and then they'll come down and doing a, man- a maneuver low sort of right on the horizon where it goes from blue to, you know, dark tree background and get completely screwed up. So yeah. the sim also helps you uh, with that if you choose the right flying site. Yep. The other the other one I wanted to bring up also, um, and I, I can't remember, it's been so long since I've flown without it. I don't know now whether it's a default, uh, whether they've made it in a, a default in one of the new updates. And again, this is on Phoenix, um, is the uh, fly with ground in sight. That way yes. it doesn't, it, it actually gives you a perspective like you're flying in real life and it doesn't zoom in. It, it actually keeps the perspective like the heli's way far out there. It's not, it's not like you have, you know, binoculars on or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to, we're going to move into kind of a sim training schedule. Since we're talking about a training schedule, we're going to talk to the uh, analyst amongst us. When it comes to sim time training, and of course that's Jesse. It is. Uh, we've talked a, a few times about Jesse's ritualistic approach to the sim. It's it's a daily thing. It's like scheduled into his life. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. First of all, Jesse, I actually am absolutely impressed that you have the uh, dedication to do that. That is phenomenal. But it shows obviously in your flying. How did you decide? Your schedule. I mean, what did you, how did you come up with that? Uh, so basically, I mean, just like everyone, you, you have moves that you want to, I mean, moves that you can't do at right now that you want to be able to do. So basically, I mean, my whole schedule is based off of that. And for me, I mean, it seems to be about 30 minutes a night is the, I mean, a good amount of time. I can stay focused for that amount of time, not goof off too much in the sim session. So basically what I do is, Right now I have about seven to eight moves that I'm just kind of, they're moves that I can do proficiently in the sim, but maybe not moves that I've transferred over to real life yet. Like I feel they might just need just a little bit more brushing up, a little more sim time, but just before I transfer them. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and do, you know, seven to eight moves in about eight to 10 minutes right at the beginning of my session, just kind of get warmed up. And then after that, I pick about 
four to five moves, usually the same moves until I get them, you know, crossed off and move them to the other list. And I'll just spend four to five minutes a move. Wait, 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 wait. Are you actually telling me, dude, that you have a list? I have a physical list oh that has God. a list of helicopter maneuvers. Basically, I, I mean, I'll get, I'll get bored and I'll just start watching heli videos with a pen and paper and write down, oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. Huh. I'd like to kind of do that. That looks, you know, and pick out all these different maneuvers, things I'd like to incorporate into my own flying style and different stuff like that. So you are weird. Nah, do man, you do it, that too, Nick? It, yep. Oh, <laughs> I take it one step farther. Well, I used to, and, and I've fessed up that I've kind of laxed off, but uh, that's going to change here very, very quickly. Um, I made a chart. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did, and I got just, I, I kind of got him started on this. Uh, I I make, so I, I made a Monday through my, a, a weekly chart oh, uh, across the top. And well, and here's why it sounds dumb, yeah, but well. Hey, just work with me. Right. And then all the maneuvers are over on the left. And what I would do is I would basically r- completely random, uh, you know, put a check mark next to what day I was going to work on what maneuvers. And then I did the same thing like Jesse did. I did five. Um, everything was in five minute increments. So I set a constant, five-minute timer, um, either on the radio or on the sim. I'd kind of warm up for five minutes, and then I would look down the chart. Well, today's Tuesday. Look down. Okay. Uh, first maneuver that I have on Tuesday is, you know, this one. And I would do it for five minutes. When the timer went off, look down. Okay. And I'd, I'd knock through that list for Tuesday. But then the cool part was that, and then I would always end with five minutes of just screwing off. The nice part was that on Thursday, it wasn't the same maneuver. I mean, it was completely different ones. And you just randomize them all throughout the week. And you had, you know, like that first five minutes and that last five minutes, like Jesse said, were maneuvers that you could you could do, but they needed polishing. You know, yeah. you, you knew the stick movements of them. Uh, you could do them. They marginally stayed in one place or did what you wanted them to. Uh, but they they needed a little bit more polish. And then the ones that you were actually working on were like, okay, well, I need to learn how to do this. Wow. And it, man, huh. it worked. when I followed that, that was when I progressed the most. Well, I you, mean, it, you know what it, we ought it to was do? Rapid. You know what we ought to do? We ought to have you make up a series of those from beginner to advanced and we can make them available for downloads. You bet. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. I mean, I wouldn't use them. It's huge. Though. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> It's, I can't tell you guys how, like, seriously, if you follow that, you can go from, okay, I, I don't even know what a Piro flip is, to within two weeks being ready to try, ha- I mean, half Piro flips. On the sim, you mean? No, in real life. No, in real life. In J- real Justin, life. Justin, you do this too? Yeah. I, well, okay. So oh, here's the man. thing. I haven't been simming much lately. Um, I've been really lazy about it. And the couple of times that I have gotten on, it's just like, oh, this again. I do need to get back to it here now that it's the winter. But when I do sim, I do it the same exact way. There are five minute chunks. I force myself to work on the maneuver for each of those five minutes. And I can only, I, I'm, I'm sort of like you, Dan, where I lose interest really quickly. So some nights I may only do three, five minute chunks and then screw around with like a routine at the end or autos or something like that. 
even if it's 15 or 20 minutes that I'm spending, it's 15 or 20 minutes towards learning. And when you do it that way and you're focused, you can find, you'll find that you will, you'll progress rapidly. The other thing um, that I wanted to add was the way that Nick is describing how to do it, where you kind of randomly choose what you're going to do each day and you check that off and then that's done for the week. That's key, at least for my personality, because what I'll do is, let's say it's it's Pyro Flips. I'll go and spend time on Pyro Flips the first time that week. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know how on, on the sim you have these breakthroughs where it's like, wait a minute, I didn't even understand what that move was last time. Now, all of a sudden, I'm doing it awesome. Um, don't go and repeat that. Resist the urge to go back to that maneuver the next day, even if you've already done it and you think that it's it's going to be awesome because those are the ones where I have the biggest problems. One day you're spot on, the next day you are completely screwed up. So let it sit, let your mind just you know, build it into your muscle memory and get back to it the following week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, for me, it's it's completely opposite. I just got to keep, I mean, I like I said, I literally do the same maneuvers every day. So for some reason that, yeah, just that repetitiveness. Oh, you do the work. same thing every yeah, day, Yeah, but Jesse? see, look, Jesse's doing stuff that's way advanced. And yes. I do pick one, like out of my, let's say, if I'm going to do four maneuvers for the night, usually there's one of those four that I really want to learn. And I'll do that one each night, but the other ones I'll keep random. Yeah, All right. See, I'll just I'll just keep going and then once once I feel like I got it, then you just cross it off and put yeah. another one in the list. So, Nick, do you remember when uh, you told me I made you feel bad about the whole uh ATF fluid in the nitro motor? Yes. Yeah, that's how I feel now, thanks. Why? I kind of feel like I'm a slacker for not ever doing the sim now. <laughs> anyway. It's working. So <laughs> it's working. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, and this is the big one for me. You know, it's very important in my mind. I just fo- have a hard time focusing, especially when I'm doing something and I'm not getting it right and I'm not getting it right. And I'm not, and I'm, you know, entertained. How do we keep ourselves entertained on the sim? Like Nick said, you spend the first, even, even if you, so if you've got a short attention span, instead of doing 30 minutes, set, set your first couple of nights for 15, do two sets of five minute. Uh, focusing on one maneuver each time, and then the last five minutes, Dan, just go and screw around. Have fun. Fly to music. uh, Make up a routine. Or try different helis. Whatever. I think their idea of entertainment from The Sim is maybe a little bit different. And that's that's okay, but I think for Jesse especially, I think this. Jesse's idea is he's getting entertained because he knows that he's improving. And that's the entertainment that he gets. Is that a correct assumption, Jesse? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, that's that's the driving force. I would say. When so you're not. It's you're not. You don't ever really get anything out of treating the sim like a game, like a like you're playing an Xbox or something. You're there to learn something, and your satisfaction is learning it, and not necessarily the drudgery of doing it. That doesn't bother you because you know you're learning something. Yeah, I mean, the the greatest accomplishment is when you know you sit there on Monday, you can't do a maneuver. You go to the field on Saturday, and you're like, you know what? I think I'm I think I'm going to try it, and you pull it off. I mean that that and right it there can is, be that fast. I mean, it seriously can. If you do it right and you dedicate to it, it can be yeah. a one week from never tried it before to I'm ready to do it on the weekend. Yep. Well, transferring yeah, it into real life is a great transition. But before we do that, I kind of want to just have have Nick and Justin kind of give us a brief 
what is your idea of entertainment when it comes to the sim? How do you keep your inner self entertained? Is it? Oh, dude, like- I I have a good one. And me and Jesse have done this before. And this is my when I when I well, you know where I'm going with this. When you when you get in that rut where it's like I'm just bored of the sim, I don't I don't want to do it anymore. Like for for a while on end, I'll call him up and make him get online with me, and we will do like how many stupid competitions can we have? Oh yeah, it's great. so we'll take like the. Uh, the field that it's on, it's in like a little, there's a little bay and you, and you start out. What is the name of that one? Copen, yeah, no. Is it like Copenhagen? Oh, the one where you can fly over the water? Yeah, you yeah, fly over the water, over the water the and there's a bridge this, and then there's that. Yeah, there's a yeah. sailboat. So we have auto competitions on who can land on the curb on the end of that. Yeah. And it's hilarious because turn you know you're turn the blade inertia way down. Turn the blade inertia down. We make it match numbers on the blade inertia and then. You know, we'll sit there and you're just, you're dunking them in the water. They're flying over your head. You're bouncing them off the light poles and you're laughing and you're having a good time. And what you didn't really realize is that you are, I mean, now you have drive. It's competition. Yeah, you're very focused. Yeah. You're extremely focused and you're laughing yeah. and having fun. You that, know, that's a good way. That's, that's actually a really good idea because that can really bring in a lot of entertainment. And maybe that's part of the reason I don't like to sim because I don't really do the online simming when I do sim. Well, it, it's, that's just my breakaway. That's my, I need to get out. I'm not having fun doing it anymore. I need to make it fun again. I mean, we'll, we'll hop online together and it'll be like, Hey, let's see if we can both do aileron TikToks And if maybe we can both do them around in a circle. And then you crash into each other and you're laughing or, well, you know, who can do the longest airplane landing, you know, on, on an auto, yeah. uh, just, just anything that you can think of to, to break it up, you know, yeah. and, and try and make it fun again. Is that kind of what you do as well, Justin? Um, I, I don't do quite as much online stuff as I used to do with the sim. I'd like to get back into it, but that actually, I don't, I've, you know, Nick, you and I may have done that once or twice on that water Mm-hmm. Um, setting, but I haven't done that with Jesse and Nick uh, for a long time. What I tend to do is when I lose lose the focus and I'm not being entertained anymore. Um, I, I know it sounds funny, but I go I go back to YouTube and I start watching videos of pilots that are doing stuff that I want to learn. And the reason why that is is because usually when I lose focus or I'm getting bored of the sim. It's because I'm forgetting some of the moves that I really have wanted to try. You know, I try to write them down just like Nick and Jesse say, but sometimes you've got a large enough list of things that you don't remember. So I'll go back, watch a couple of videos, and then I'll see that one move and say, okay, that's it. That's exactly what I'm going to work on tonight. Forget the other list that I've got. Go back to the sim and have some fun. And also, I mix it up with music. And what I do uh, to stay entertained on the sim is I don't sim. <laughs> That's what I do. Hi, this is Dieter, also known as RCD Butts, and this is your 60-second tech tip. This week we're going to talk about customizing your transmitter for personalization and comfort. Customization of your transmitter for your own comfort and custom settings can not only be helpful to make you a better pilot, 
but can also help your transmitter stand out from the others. You can find all sorts of gimbals with various colors and textures on most hobby sites, as well as various neck straps and adapters for customization as well. Since most transmitters are usually made from hard plastic without any type of grip beyond the textured parts of the case, it really helps to add some soft foam grips for the added comfort and customization to your preferred method of holding the transmitter. Most local arts and craft stores will have soft foam with one side that is backed with adhesive, sometimes even in various colors. Grip your transmitter as you normally would and add the foam to fill the gaps between your hands and the radio. Find the places on the sides and the back where you need to apply the foam to make your grip more comfortable. Then you'll be a lot happier with how your transmitter feels in your hands while you're flying. This has been your RC Heli Nation 60 Second Tech Tip. You know guys, one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners. And lucky for us, Gen's Ace Batteries shares the same ideas. Just for you, they're offering a 10% discount code on all their batteries. That's right guys, so head over to www.hobbyparts.com, enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to transferring when, uh, you know, because that's the big question is when do I take this to the field? I've been doing this, Sam, and I feel like I'm improving. When do I take it to the field? Oh, man, let's see. Well, Jesse. That's, that's a, that's, I mean, that's going to vary person to person. That's really kind of a tough question. But for, for me personally, I feel I'll, I'll transfer something over to real life when I'm comfortable with the maneuver through every orientation that you know that maneuver puts the helicopter in. So I, I want to make sure that I have full control of the heli through the whole maneuver. I'm not like, okay, I'm doing a maneuver and then you kind of have to wait for it. You know, you kind of lose orientation and then you're like, okay, I got it again. I mean, if, if you're having to do that, that's kind of where I draw the line and I want to make sure that I have that full control through the whole maneuver. And I mean, another thing is a bailout plan. And if the maneuver does go wrong, uh, how I'm going to save the helicopter. Yeah, that's a big so. one. Like every maneuver has its own, what's the quickest, easiest way. And I know Dan, like you've said, you're, you're extremely comfortable bailing out nose in. Yeah. Right. So, so you're, you know, whatever maneuver you're working on your bailout plan. And and when I talk about bailout plan, it's, it, it's, I like to put it as two, two stick movements rapidly put together that will get you out of it. So it's either subconscious. Yeah. One collective, one snap of the collective one direction and one snap of the cyclic one direction. And then you're good enough to catch it. And that's what I call a bailout. And you, you work on that on the sim because then when it happens in real life, that's the first thing that you do. You just don't even realize that all of a sudden it's boom, boom. You did those two boom, boom like that. And then Holy crap, I'm out. Okay. Wow. All right. Hey, that wasn't that bad. Like, it, it takes that. It helps take that fear out of out of trying the maneuver when you know you have a good solid bailout plan. All right, I'm going to put all you on the spot. Okay, I am going to say because I know what people are thinking. They're listening to this, going, "Come on, come on, don't just you know, just just give me a give me something that I can wrap my hands around." Like I, I want you to quantify this. I want you to tell me how many times should I be able to pull off a maneuver in the sim before I should go ahead. And do it in real life or try it in real life. 
Uh, I go for a hundred percent of the time without crashing. Is that in a week? Every time you do it within a week? Every time you do it within a month? No, I, I would say like a session. You know, so if I if I hop on and I've been working on my my half my my first full single pair of flips, so just half up inverted, half up back to upright again. If I can go on there for you know my five minute session working on that maneuver and do those and not crash, not get out of control, I might have to bail out of it, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm not crashing it. I'm not out of control to the point where I'm crashing it. If I can do that say two, three days in a row, um, it doesn't matter if it doesn't stay in one spot. That's what we call, that's where we talk about like polishing it. You're never going to yeah. get, you can't replace real stick time. I mean, you just can't. And, and I know people that can do double pyro flips, uh, you know, on the sim. It, it looks like you literally just put it on the end of a stick. It stands so still. And yet they can't get them to stay still in real life. That's just not how it is. So get it to that point where you can do it every time. You know you're not going to crash on the sim. That's when I transfer it to real life. All right, that sounds good. So we're going to yeah, move. And oh, go ahead, Justin. But to 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 Nick's last point on the polishing, I really want to touch on this one because I found this one bites me a lot, um, or it did early on, and then I learned my lesson. Don't try to polish it on the sim. Because uh, it, it's not even just there's no substitute for real stick time. There's no substitute for the, the feel of the real heli. No matter how much you do with all the tuning we were talking about, the blade inertia, head speed, power, weight, all of that sort of stuff, you're never going to get the sim model to feel exactly like the real thing. Um, and what you'll end up doing, I found at least personally, is if you focus on something so hard in the sim that you can nail it, I mean, it, it looks beautiful, perfect, you're actually developing a bad habit because you're going to go out there and the heli's not going to fly exactly like that. And you'll almost have to backtrack and mm -hmm. relearn the maneuver. I mean, like Nick was out. saying, where if you've got your gain high enough on the sim, those TikToks are going to stay locked right in that one position. There's not going to be any side to side, no drift, nothing. And then you go to real life and try to do it with the heli. And you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on? And you don't have the muscle memory or, or the thought process to correct for that because you've never seen that before in the sim. Yeah. If it looks flawless on the sim, like just flawless, and you haven't done it in real life. You just did yourself a disservice. Exactly. Because I when you try get it, to the you're going to be bummed. I will. I'll get it to. I will fly the maneuver on the sim until I agree with you, Nick. Until I'm not crashing, but it may still look like crap. And I'll transfer it to real life, way up high at first, just to kind of test the waters. Am I ready for this yet, or do I really need to go and spend more time on the sim? All right, guys. So we talked about the sim and in depth. We've had a lot of requests from listeners to talk about that. Um, we're going to go ahead and um, make that available, those downloads. We talked about those files. These guys are going to compile these files. We'll have them available on our downloads page. So you guys can uh, try these models out that these guys have been doing and see what you think. Go from there. So the next, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about uh, training in real life at the field. You're at the field and... Um, I'm not even real sure. We've got we've got this list of stuff here, and I'm going to assume uh, we've got this uh, topic heading that says 
having someone call for you, and I'm going to take a stab at what that means. I'm assuming what that means is you have someone next to you and they're calling out maneuvers and you do them. Yes. Yep. Exactly. What would you have them do? I mean, what? how do you do it? How do you guys do it? You know, you would have a, a you know, the, the pilot would write out a list um, ahead of time before the flight and say, here's what I want you to call out. Um, you can have them either randomly do it, which can be really cool if you're uh, if you're used to only doing a certain maneuver when you are, say, off your right shoulder, going from your right to your left, and that's the only time you feel comfortable, having someone do uh, random calls for you will really push you. It'll push you because you're sitting there off your left shoulder in the middle of, a, you know, the top of a loop and, and you level out and someone goes, you know, half barrel flip. And it's like, oh, the goal there is to not flip it back over, bring it back into a hover, bring it back to the spot where you're comfortable with. It's do it right then and there. As fast as they call it out, you do it. And I know, Dan, I know you know what that is because you went to Todd's class. Exactly. And he had this unique way of doing it uh, where he would speed up the calls. He would start off at a nice, easy mm -hmm. pace and just go. And then he would just slowly start to speed up and he'd slowly, and he would, he would start to go so fast where you just couldn't keep up. You just couldn't keep up. And then um, he would say, well, that was the most fucked up backflip I've ever seen. <laughs> and, you know, it was just kind of his style, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So either have them do it random or um, they can hold, you know, stopwatch, just watch, a, a, you know, watch the clock on your phone and say, okay, I want every two minutes, I want you to call a different maneuver off for me and surprise me with what it is. Sounds real good. Yeah, and Jesse, you guys do that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just, I, yeah, I just find it very helpful. Most of the time I get, you know, you, you have great intentions when you, you know, you plug in the heli, you're walking up to the flight line, all these maneuvers you're going to try out. And most of the time I find myself doing the same flight I do 80%. You do, time. you remember yeah. exactly one of the yeah, five. You, if, if you're lucky, you remember one maneuver that you, you want to do. always yeah, forget so. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's very helpful in remembering those moves that you want to try in real life. So, you know, one thing that maybe we uh, should talk about too, before we get too deep into this is obviously, we, you know, when you're doing these things, uh, for the first few times, you know, altitude is our friend. Mm -hmm. Um, we've all heard the three crash, uh, high rule. You know, I, I don't know if I'm doing things at three crashes high, but I definitely always try new things at an elevation where I give myself an opportunity or two to, um, recover should something go wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. in theory. As long as you can see it. As long as you can see it. Yeah. 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 That's right, Jesse. And then if you're like us and you're not that smart, you do them half a crash high. <laughs> yeah, because it's half a mistake get, high. You get a better rush that way. <laughs> if it ever gets boring just flying around up high, just bring it down to the deck and it's a whole new experience. Just yeah. Jesse flies zero crash high. Yeah. <laughs> and we pay for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I see, Nick. You have written down here: set multiple timers. What? What do you? What are you? What are we doing with setting multiple timers? One of the most awesome things I found about the eight FG is the ability to have numerous timers. Uh, it has more than one, so you can have one set at, let's say, the three minute mark, and then your end of flight timer. So it's just an additional way to have a some sort of beeper go off mid flight. To help remind you that, oh, yeah, now that's right. I need to switch over and work on something else. 
and that's if to, you can hear it. Yeah, and that's to help yourself become, <laughs> you know, we, you guys, we've all heard the term sighted, right? We know what that means. And, and in case you don't, what that means is uh, we all have a tendency to do a maneuver uh, when we're first learning stuff one way. And the problem with that is you get so comfortable doing it that one way, you become sighted that way. And then trying to do it the other way becomes almost a colossal undertaking. Yeah. And I think setting that multiple timer up, and that's a really good idea. That's a good way to practice a maneuver one way and then remind you that, yep, I got to switch to the other side now. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. Geez, you're full of good ideas, Nick. Every now and then. So, Dan, then what you've got to do for someone to call for you is record that shit on your iPhone the night before and then uh, go out there and play it back. Dude. Yeah, I don't know. If I'll okay. No, 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 no. So hey. I will get, I'll, I'll get here. I might as well talk about it. I have done this. Um, you know, so some people fly to music. That's one thing that you can do. Uh, I always recommend and tell everyone for safety purposes, just put one earbud in. Don't fly with two. You still have to hear the heli or someone walking up behind you. Um, but it's not so, it, a lot of it is just the timing. You know, if you know how long a song is, oh, hey, that song's over. Okay, I'll switch to this. You can also set your pace with the song. Um, bad habit I have is, and you guys have all seen it, I come right out first flight in the morning and I fly, I fly it like I stole it and then I stuff it. Yep. Um, so flying to music, you know, you can put a slower song on there first and then have the second song speeded up a little bit. But another thing that I did because just like Dan, I was flying by myself, is I actually took, and I did it in GarageBand, I made my own two-minute song slash calling type files. So I took a song, I cut two minutes out of it, I put it in there, and then I recorded my own voice saying a maneuver, like double piroflips. So here I'm flying along, listening to this song, and all of a sudden I just hear double pair of flips, and then a different song comes on. It was like someone was sitting there calling for me. See, and you then, thought I was joking, Dan. Yeah, no, it and sounds then, to me like you guys put too much thought into this stuff. But no, this <laughs> it is kind of like that. And you throw sixteen songs in a playlist and hit random when you walk yeah, up there, you'd be the surprised. Uh, like, that's true. I never really considered random. that random. random. That's random. that would be you key. You never wouldn't know it? what you're gonna get. Yep, you don't know what's going to come. And you can take those, you know, that day out at the field by yourself, which has an advantage because you can get a tremendous amount of flights in in a lot shorter amount of time. you can burn the nitro. Yes. And you can maximize it, Dan. (laughs) And you guys are making me feel like a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm telling you that right now. I mean, I, uh, I, I listening to you guys talk about this stuff, it's just like, wow. How much further could I be along if I would just put a little discipline into it? You might not want to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. I guess I had afraid. that coming. I guess I had that coming. <laughs> okay. So we talked about flying to music and making your own files. What other things can we do, uh, guys? Uh, just kind of a free flow of ideas. What can we do when we are trying to progress um, into advanced maneuvers, uh, we're at the field, and uh, let's just say for the sake of uh, to make the conversation easy, there is somebody there with you helping you. Um, you know, how do we approach it? What I mean, when do we know it's time that you've, yes, you've got that inverted hover down just right. It's time, Dan, to push on to 
something else, you know, because I think a lot of us just start to feel a little stagnant in what we're doing. And after about, you know, a summer of flying, you're like, you know, I just kind of feel like I did the same flight like 400 times. So how far do we push it though too? And that's another good question. I mean, uh, the reality of the situation is uh, the hobby's expensive. We've talked about that. But you can make this hobby prohibitively expensive by stepping out of that comfort zone too much. And I think as we're trying to progress, we, you know, we really need to keep that in mind. We, first of all, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I'm afraid to crash. And that is probably one of the biggest hindrances to progressing. I, I mean, I, that just seems obvious to me. If, if the fear of crashing, if you, if you constantly are in fear of crashing, you're really probably not going to be pushing yourself too much. That's true. Yeah, I would agree with that. So how do we get over that? Sim more. And crash. Crash. Absolutely, crash. Jesse. Get it out of the way. Drive that some bitch in, <laughs> and I'll tell you what it is. It'll set you free, man. You'll just sit there and laugh and go. So, Jesse, can I come do that with that compass? Your own, crash your own. I, well, <laughs> your own. I will never it's have already crashed. I will never have my own compass. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Get the warp. I don't know, man. A warp. I would take one if, if they would send me one. How does that sound? <laughs> I mean, remember, my opinion can be bought. We talked about that a few episodes <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, right. So, so Dave, Dave, if you're listening to this, my opinion can be bought. Just, just, just throwing that out there. This is a, okay. You do not have to uh, RC Heliate Nation does not condone this, uh, <laughs> this attitude or this. <laughs> yeah. It's been a fun three episodes. We've had a lot of requests to talk about these topics. And, you know, sometimes these are the discussions that just, that are overlooked. Sometimes I think it's just good to go back and revisit these, these steps of your flying because we've all been there. We've all got to get through it. And I think uh, talking about it every now and again, uh, exercises the demons, so to speak. And yep. don't forget that feeling. I, I mean, that, that feeling that you get when you pull a maneuver off for the first time in real life, to me, that's what it's all about. That I mean, that outweighs any bad crash that I have. And it might not feel like it at the moment, but, you know, you get a couple crashes in, you're a little down, you've hit that plateau, Take a minute to just kind of stand back and say, God, you remember what remember what it felt like when I, you know, when I finally pulled this off or when I finally pulled that off? Remember that you you can be only a couple flights away from that. That feeling again was something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's a tough it's a tough one because uh I go in these spurts and like a lot of you get do, I'm assuming you uh, you know, this summer I saw a tremendous uh growth in my flying. Um, but towards the end of the summer, I kind of started feeling like, yeah, I was doing a lot of new things. Um, it was like the midsummer was like perfect. It was lots of new and exciting stuff. But towards the end of the summer, it, it kind of felt like, well, now I feel like I'm kind of at that plateau I was, you know, in the spring where I have felt like for the past two years, I'd been doing the same thing. And then this summer I had all this stuff happening and, and then I'll, towards the end of the summer, again, I felt like 
I'm just kind of doing the same stuff over and over and over. And that, and that can be a little, that can be a little hard on you. I mean, you read that those posts in the forum all the time. I just, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere and I'm going to sell all my stuff because I just, it just isn't, um, just doesn't feel as fun anymore, but I, well, then ask yourself how much effort have you put into progressing? That's, and that's, that's that right there is, and this is what I'm, I've known it all along, but I, you know, after having these conversations for the past three episodes, um, it's really kind of, I, I, it's really kind of inspired me to try to maybe, I mean, I'm not going to say anymore. Who, who the hell am I kidding? No, I, I don't know. I might. Nah, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. I don't know. I, you know what I mean? I, that's the, that's the situation I'm in. I mean, yeah. hell, I haven't even uh, loaded, uh, my SIM back into my computer since I had that, uh, little, um, episode there with the uh, operating wow. system and that's been what a month ago yeah so yeah easy i don't know we'll see how it goes it's been it's been a good three episodes though. i really enjoyed it so i want to talk real quick and this there's absolutely nothing funny about this and of course it's friday and uh as we all know there was a horrific uh incident in connecticut this day today, earlier today, uh, 20 kids essentially and a handful of adults, six, I believe, or seven. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, it's just a sad state of affairs and I don't know where we as a country are going wrong. And I know this has nothing to do with helicopters, but I think if, you know, we've got listeners up in that area, we would just want you to know that we here at RC Alienation are thinking about Anyone that's involved, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine going through what these people are going to go through forever, you know. I mean, just this is never going to go away. And, uh. and even the survivors that made it through, they, they're, they're going to be just as tormented uh, as anybody else. I mean, yeah, they, they made it through, luckily, but my God, you know, how horrifying is that? It's, just, this is the first event that I mean I'm <laughs> I'm kind of a hard ass and and uh you know not a not a lot of stuff like really affects me that much but uh this one this has been like the first real big event that just man this one tore me up not you know and a lot of people know I've got a 4-year-old little boy and and that's the first thing that I thought of was like, are you got to be kidding me? And it was just, man, this one was rough. This was, I don't know. It was different for me. You know, it's, um, I don't like to get political and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go down that road, but I can tell you this, you know, as a healthcare worker, um, it's the state of our country when it comes to healthcare and taking care of people that need help is so frowned upon and I don't get it. And I'm not, I don't want anyone to, you know, accuse me of defending this kid because he certainly is indefensible. But at the same time, if we as a country don't start taking care of people that need it, and this kid, obviously this is not a normal kid. There, there's, there was something wrong in this kid's head. Yeah. There is no question. And it should have been somehow, picked up by somebody you don't get to be 20 years old and go into a classroom and at point blank range put a pistol to a kid's head and pull the trigger and not have something wrong in your head yeah you just don't and 
we have to start taking care of our people. Yeah. You know, and that's that's no matter what side of the fence you're on, you have to you have to see that because it's a reality of our situation, and it's it's horrible, it's horrifying, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to really bring the the vibe down, but uh, you know, it is important to acknowledge these horrific events and and uh, if you happen to know somebody or somehow have a relation or somebody that is somehow involved or uh, you know our thoughts are with you and not that we can but if there's anything we can do to help we'll uh, we'll do whatever we can there's really nothing any of us can do but let you know that we're our thoughts are with you sometimes just listening to someone man helps out a lot and that's uh yeah it's just not a good situation. That's all there is to it. Uh, if you wanted to get in touch with me, you could do that at Dan K. Reed on uh, a few of the forums and uh, also at Dan at RCLNation.com. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, shoot me an email at Nick at RCLNation.com or sometimes you can catch me on the Instant Messenger and I'm on some of the forums as NWM Tech. And Justin, if I want to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You could get me at justin at rchelynation.com or on our homepage in the chat from time to time or at Justin Pucci on some of the forums. (laughs) And then, Jesse, how do I get in touch with you if I need to? Uh, The best way would just be to shoot me an email at jesse at rchelynation.com. All righty, guys. We sure hope you've enjoyed these last three episodes of uh, helping you get out there, pick a helicopter out, find a place to fly, and uh, progress through some training. Be ready for some cool stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, we've got oh end of the God. years coming up. We got some, we got some aces up our sleeves. Oh, we've got some tremendous Definitely. stuff coming up. I'm so excited. As always, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We will see you next Monday. Adios. Later, guys. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the Contact Us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a Donate Now button on our homepage as well.